0: Cousin Jared, we made money in week zero. I mean, we've made money before week one even started, and now we are approaching uh, the best weekend of college football uh, up until some of the bowl season gets going on, and maybe even better than that, to be honest. Uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, three games on Sunday for the first time that I can remember. Uh, And then the Monday night, good things all around. Uh, I'm excited. I don't know about you.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Miss Cousin Jared even put out the pumpkin soap, hand soap today around the house. And so we're really pushing for fall and football season around this house we are pushing for it it was like
0: 107 here today so uh, yeah it's not happening yet um week zero more things went right than wrong uh which is always fun Uh, obviously Mm -hmm. we did not nail everything never said we would never plan to i mean that would be cool but uh it's kind of a weird thing but i've talked about this with baseball like if you actually hit every pick like You almost be worried, like something's going wrong. Like, that's definitely some weird things happening there. Like, we we understand we're dealing with probabilities, probabilities miss. And when we have a finely tuned model, we know we're going to be wrong. All we're trying to do is assess. Where there is long-term edge, it's worked out for us in college basketball. It's worked out for us in baseball. It worked out for us in week zero. It's just the same thing, lie, the rinse, repeat. Uh, yeah. Was there anything you wanted to talk about specifically from week zero, aside from whatever the heck is going on with Vanderbilt Stadium? The repeat of whatever the heck was happening with Hawaii's last year. I don't know what the is up with these two teams.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. week
0: zero, stadium issues.
1: Yeah, I think well. The first thing is I'm one thing that we did get exactly right was the Notre Dame Navy game, yeah, and yeah. I, I have to say I'm concerned about Navy this season, which we yeah. kind of talked about last week. But even in seasons where Navy's been a little bit down, they they usually have a tendency to play Notre Dame close, at least ugly the game up in a way that you know doesn't let it get too far out of hand. But this one, of course, everybody saw what happened. So I think Navy might be in for a long season. And as far as like playoff implications go, USC's defense looks the same. So, I I mean, is that going to change, you know, is that going to change, you know, wins and losses in the Pac-12? Maybe or maybe not. I I don't know. Um, But it just seemed like a lot of the same stuff that we saw last season. Even though it's just one game, Week Zero, played a lot of backups, I'm sure. seemed like a lot of the same things.
0: Although you said C and no one in the world saw it, so I don't really know how you can use that word. Um, That's true. That's true. Heyo, I will say the interesting thing about that game is you never expect a game to have every score be a touchdown unless it's like Navy army. And that sometimes happens because those teams, when they're moving the ball, they go for it on fourth down a yeah. lot because uh, that triple option, the way it works, you know, you're you know, they their often to set up at triple option, third and five, run the ball for four yards and go for it on fourth down. Right. Other than that, than those type of games, you do not expect to see not a single field goal kicked, uh, And that, I think, was the interesting thing about that one. Does that say something about USC offensively, defensively? Was it random variation? That's the tough part with college football. And that's where our priors and our previous season's data and some of that stuff really comes into play. Because unlike baseball and even college basketball a little bit, we won't get enough data to really have a great picture. Even by the end of the season, we'll know a little more. But, the, you know, small sample sizes of football. And so it, trying to figure that out, uh, I think, is interesting. and we something to keep an eye on, especially with USC, given like so the yep. playoff implication. Are they going to be a team that just is so good offensively, teams cannot stop them and force their field goal unit out there? Are they going to be so bad defensively, they cannot force field goal unit out? It's very possible. We saw it last year. Or was that just a one-game anomaly? Obviously, we'll know more as the season progresses, but I think that was a very – wild result there yeah. uh, almost yeah. as wild as FIU almost pulling the upset with four yards passing which seems impossible for it a is. non-triple option offense I, I don't I don't even know how to, I have no words I'm not even I'm not even mad yeah I, I'm yeah. Pissed, right? yeah yeah <laughs> uh it's good week zero on to week one Thursday night I mean the game everyone's talking about here leading us off, mm-hmm. Florida and Utah we expect Cam Rising to play and be as close to 100% as possible you never know with injury so I mean just that's the yeah. caveat in the back of your mind these two teams are pretty similar i mean both of them are pretty good offensively pretty good defensively the the differentiator here is that utah's defense is probably a step ahead of florida's uh, which which according to sideline lags behind a little bit the games in Utah and Utah being a little bit better of a team that's why sideline says it should be Utah minus 6.8 predicts a final score of 33 to 26 says that Utah wins this two out of three times but cover wise given the spread of seven right now it's pretty 50 50 cousin Jared uh we're not going to take a side on this one I think seven is a pretty good number and sideline agrees I will say if it gets to Florida plus seven and a half that hook. Matters a lot, and and, uh, you know, if you see it, that's that's one where I don't think I could pass it up, assuming the juice isn't too crazy. Uh, there's a lot of worlds where Utah wins us by exactly seven, whether it's that score on screen, which it probably won't be, um, or some other combination of points. Seven is very, very common, that hook's gonna matter a lot there. Uh, but I think seven's pretty well set. The thing that we uh, like a pick on here is the over 46 and a half. You can see on screen there, the projected score is, uh, total is more like 59. Ah, this number is really low. Uh, and we're expecting a lot more points than the experts
1: do. It's an A grade pick on the over 46 and a half. Cause of Jerry, what do you got? I love the over here as well. I think this is two things. Number one, people still have this perception of Utah, even though this is not how Utah played last year. Utah scored plenty of points. They gave up plenty of points at times last season, but it's just this perception of how Utah plays. And the other thing, which I I can't shoot a hole in this in, uh, is Graham Mertz is the starting quarterback for Florida. So uh, that is the caveat. To this play. If you take the over 46.5, uh, note that you are investing in Graham Mertz. But I just think that you would have to see. I know this game last year had Anthony Richardson in it, who has acquitted himself very well so far in the NFL preseason. Obviously, a very good player, was taking very high to the draft for uh, a reason. Um, don't get me started on Will Levis. But the thing is, is that you would have to see something not like, even covering Kentucky. And you got to throw that. Yeah, not a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it would take something, in my opinion, very dramatic from what we saw last year to go under this number. And I just don't see anything with either of these teams that make me think we're going to see a substantially different game. The players may have changed and everything, but if anything, okay. Yes. Utah lost Dalton Kincaid. They're a really good tight end. Um, but Cam rising is back for approximately a 15th season. Again, if, if he, if he plays it's sounding like he, he is. Um, so I, I think this is going to go over If this game ended up at like 52, that, that feels about right. You know, 51, 49, there's, there's lots of ways that you go over this 46 and a half number. I just think these two teams are too talented, even early in the season, to end up at a number like this. Gabe had 55 points last year, and I think there's a lot
0: made about losing a guy like and losing a guy like Kincaid. I mean, two very good players, absolutely. No insult to them. Everybody else that's back has gotten better. Right, and that's the thing to remember. It's it's yes, they've lost some players, but it's not like the other offensive players and the other defensive players, for that matter. Everybody everybody got better. So both teams lost players on both sides of the ball. Both teams got better. There's something to be said for a guy like Graham Mertz, maybe in a in a better situation uh, for the offense. Yeah, better system, a better quarterback coach that sort of situation for him. And of course rising in in Utah scoring a lot of points and you make a great point that two years ago, Utah kind of did it where they didn't really let rising loose too much until the very end of the year. They won with great defense last year. They really opened it up and played a very different style of football. And there's no necessarily indications of why they would change that with most of the same pieces in general back uh, 46 and a half, We think way too low. We love this over good chance of getting their a great pick. Friday night game. There are some Thursday games. There's some Friday games. The Friday slate's a little bit weaker, but this one has a great opportunity to profit, and it's a decent matchup. It's maybe not quite as good as some of their matchups, but probably your most interesting matchup and a great opportunity to profit. And of course, I say great opportunity to profit. We're gonna have a lot of a great picks this week, because there's a lot of big edges, a lot of things we like, and a lot of picks we like
1: that we aren't covering the show because there may maybe less yeah. interesting games as, as as i was looking over the spreads this week that i got first week first couple of weeks of college ba- ba- college basketball vibes yep. is yep. what i was getting Yes. And for those of you who are unaware in the first couple of
0: weeks, the last several years of college basketball, we've had a ton of a great plays and it's just the money just pours in and the books start adjusting and catching up and we have to be a little more selective. Uh, And that's, I mean, we got a lot of great plays. So if you want all those plays, remember, sign up on Dub Club. That link's in the show description, but your best Friday night uh, game is Louisville, Georgia tech. As you can see on screen there, remember, higher is more points. So we like Louisville's defense as probably the best unit on the field. Their offense is okay. Georgia Tech's offense a little bit lagging behind. Model says Louisville by 12 and. 12.3 12.3 to do about 80% of the time, a 58% chance to cover. And that's a pretty good little edge for us here to take Louisville minus seven and a half. There is the hook on this one, but there's a handful of games every season that I see the seven and a half and I say, You know, I think people are going to be worried about the hook. And this isn't the hook they should be worried about. The hook they should be worried about is at 10.5, not 7.5. And And I remember a couple games said it last year. And for the most part, that's the way when these spreads should be bigger. I think people overthink the hook a little bit too much. That's not to say it's not important. I don't think it's going to be as important in this game. Louisville, I think, is just a far better team. Model projects an average score of 29 to 17.
1: Because, Jared, what is your take on this one? The game that I thought of was Mississippi State and Arizona at the beginning of last season. I believe that we laid eight and a half points and we said, doesn't matter. This should be like 11 and it ended up closing at like 12 and a half or something like that. And Mississippi State won by 15. Um, I think that Jeff Brom with Louisville, Louisville was a, for at least for me, a very frustrating team uh, the past handful of seasons. Yeah. I think that Jeff Brom, whether... Um, you know, the, the the total wins go up or down. I, I'm not sure. It may stay even about the same, but I think they're going to be a lot more consistent in the way that they play. And they're just at a point as a program that is quite a bit ahead of where Georgia Tech is at. I believe Haynes King is going to be the starting quarterback for, for Georgia Tech, transfer from AM, who I got to see play quite a bit. And I think, you know, he c- could definitely be a good player, but, you know, first game in a new system and everything. Louisville have bringing over Brom. I believe he brought over one of his quarterbacks that played for him at Purdue. And so I think there's going to be some familiarity there. So I just, I really like uh, Louisville in this game to your point. Don't worry about the hook on seven. Don't wait around for it. I think you should grab this now. And then later in the week, it's going to be like eight and a half or nine. And so again, don't, don't wait on it. Gra- grab it now. And this is going to probably close closer to 10. Brom, part of the weird coaching
0: carousel that existed uh, last year in college football a guy yeah. that i think we all pegged for the louisville job back in 2017 mm-hmm. when he took the purdue, purdue job he was an assistant head coach there he played there and after how well he did at western kentucky i think we all expected him to go to louisville instead he gets the purdue job which seems like a step up and then now drops down to louisville by choice, it's a very weird situation, but definitely an upgrade for coaching. I, I, I like him as a coach. I think yeah. Yeah, he's, been a, he's done great things in that part of the country, and I think for a program like Louisville, I expect him to take them to pretty good heights in a weaker yeah. conference.
1: Yep. Yep. And it's, it's funny how maybe your outlook on the conferences have changed so much, even since he made that move, just a handful of, well, I guess it's been more than a handful of months ago now, but uh, yeah, in a short amount of time, your perception of the ACC versus the perception of the big 10 has, you know, the gap there has increased even since it took the job. Yeah. Yeah. What a weird world. Uh, Speaking of weird worlds and coaching moves,
0: Colorado TCU will be the big noon Saturday game. I don't think this is going to be a necessarily interesting game. I don't think Colorado is going to be worth anything this year. I think they're going to be pretty bad. I think you're going to see the same issues with Colorado – Uh, All season that you saw on USC's defense last year with all the transfers, it's just hard to get everybody together on the same page in that year one. That doesn't mean that Dion can't do good things to this program of the future. It doesn't mean it's not an interesting story. It's just it's hard to get everybody on the same page right away. They're starting from basically nothing. I mean, everybody of talent left and they didn't have a ton of talent anyway and it, it, you know it building from the ground up is difficult ask any number of college coaches who've done it it can be done it usually takes a couple of years so i don't think colorado is going to be that good i think they're looking at like a 3 to 4 win season but you know it's the talk of the town and i don't know how many advertisements i saw this weekend for this game so we'll cover it here also because i think there's two great betting angles on it this should be a runaway tcu's offense is much better their defense is much better their special teams is much better their everything is much better um, mm-hmm. I don't really have to spend much time on that models that TCU wins by an average of about 26 points, uh, that they cover 65% of the time and that they win, of course, 96% of the time. Cause I think that seems right. If Colorado wins at 4%, that seems about right. We'd be like, it's not impossible, but it would be very surprising uh, with a projected score of 40 to 15. We've got two plays on this one. TCU minus 21. I love getting this at 21 uh in case it goes higher i think it should be higher i think it should probably be more like 24 uh then under mm-hmm. 59 and a half you have to expect some bumps in the road for colorado offensively tcu can probably name their score but yeah, you can't see colorado scoring uh you know too many more points than something like 14
1: what's your take on this one cousin jared I cannot wait to watch Colorado this year. I, like you, think that they're going to be in for a rough, long season. But I saw a stat the other day that I believe they have 85 or 86 new players on Something the like roster. Um, just absolutely ridiculous. And yeah. I have no idea if it's going to work short-term, you know, are the results? Are the results going to be great? I, d- I don't think so. But could this team be better than they were last year with 86 new players? Yes, I think the team could be better. Is that going to translate to a lot more wins? I I don't know. But they could be better and still not win very many games. I'm just going to be fascinated to see if this could watch. My thing with Colorado, even more so than the 86 new players, is that a lot of those players left came in after spring practice and so they haven't Mm. even had a whole lot of time during the spring to practice together it's been i mean let's 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 be for real they've been working out during the summer it's not sanctioned but i'm sure they've been working out over the summer and then of course the the uh, practices as we started up fall here uh so i'm going to be fascinated to watch colorado i just think that they might have some depth issues the the top line Mm. guys might be fine i think they're going to have some some depth issues and dion could be a great coach just going to be a tough start for him. I think at the very least TCU on the other end. Uh, I mean, their, their quarterback who is, I'm going to make sure check here. Chandler Morris was actually the starting quarterback last year in their first game against Colorado before he got hurt when he was replaced by Duggan. And we kind of all know how that played out. So where I'm going with that is, is yes, TCU lost Max Duggan, but clearly they have faith in Chandler Morris here as the starting quarterback. I think their offense is going to be mostly fine. if there's anything with the sunny Dykes team that I have faith in it's their it's their Absolutely. offense. and I just have this feeling that it's going to be a rough go of, with for Colorado and they're going to have some, maybe some trouble scoring some points especially as they get later in the game. So uh, I like laying the points with TCU. I think they're just a much better team and I think they Colorado is going to have some rough rough times in the second half especially to get some points on the board. So I like the under as well. that's the 59 and a half is on the north side of a lot of key numbers. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 58 being a pretty key number, 59 being a pretty key number, uh, yeah
0: you know, getting under that with the Hulk is, is really valuable there. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's where sometimes you'll see us take an A grade on a number like this. That is got a smaller differential between the projection and the total because it's on the right side of the key numbers. Uh like this, I think it's a great example yep. of that. It uh, took about that game last year. Uh, Colorado was in that game in the first half because of how bad Morris was. Now again, you have to assume he's gotten a lot better over this last yeah. year. It's not like he's been playing video games the whole time. At least I hope not. And, and his improvement, uh, you know, should, like you said, combine with the Sonny Dykes offense. It's not like uh, it's the TCU of old. And so that's the thing I think that people need to, of course, continue to remember is that this is not, uh, you know, the Gary Patterson TCU that played fantastic defense, would run those weird, back then weird, probably now a little bit more normal, you know, the 3 three fives and those type of things that were yeah. much more exotic at the time but struggled offensively and they had that defensive identity. That is not a Sunny Dykes team. TCU's defense will still be okay because they're in the big 12 they they're in DFW. They get a lot of talent, but their offense is where, you know, they can kind of reload a little bit easier based off the coach, uh, the, the schemes, that sort of thing. And so they should be able to put up again, kind of as many points as they want, but you know, um, first game, I'm not expecting their offense to be so fine-tuned that they put up 60 by themselves. Right. Um, and so if Colorado is able to hang around a little bit, kind of looks like last year, kind of get run away from by the end, whether it's second half or, or second quarter or whatever, kind of see a similar situation happening here. So under 59 yep. and a half, again, right side of the bunch of key numbers, TCU minus 21 on the right side of the hook drops to a B grade. Probably in my opinion, if uh, if you lose that hulk because 21 is definitely possible something to remember is that the probability of a team winning by a certain number changes based off where you think the average is of course since we think the average is 26 21 is more common in this game than uh maybe three is right even though three is the most common outcome three is not exactly common in this one so 21 a little bit more weight of probability in a game like this than a tighter contest so numbers here are pretty important and we got two really good ones for the noon game of the day to the afternoon slot a little bit of a weaker slate there but one of intrigue always in the pacific northwest boise state and washington washington's definitely the better team here offensively best unit on the field both defenses are respectable boise state's offense really took off last year after uh they moved on from bachmeyer who we saw a uh, play for Louisiana tech here in week zero mm-hmm. and i won't have to mention too much more about that because it wasn't overly pretty, uh, but taking off for Boise State still kind of puts them around average uh, for college football. Good for a group of five team, average for overall, but that defense actually is still pretty good and kind of can hang with a bunch of teams. And that's where this Boise State team still has the ability to hang around with power five teams because of that defense. I think they hang around in this one uh unlikely to win though according to the model only winning 20 percent of the time model says they lose by an average of 13 points but they can cover 15 56 percent of the time we're going to grab the 14 and a half the hook important here i yep. yep. think there's a decent chance they can cover because of that hook um and we're also going to go under 58 as i mentioned two pretty good defenses model projects 55 uh and again kind of like we just talked about similar situation with the projected score to the tcu game but under 58 not quite as valuable as under 59 and a half that's why this is a b grade and that's an a grade if this was 59 and a half cousin jared i think we'd be in an a grade on it but at 58 not quite as exciting of a number still worth the investment and so this is kind of how we would tell you to play the tcu under if it drops to 58 drops to a b grade still worth it just not as
1: exciting uh because Jared, what do you have for on this one I think that you hit the nail on the head when you talked about how good uh, Boise State's defense is that even up against a team like Washington, who everybody thinks is going to have a real good season, Boise State actually grades out according to the model as having the better defense. And so the Boise State defense is, is no joke at all. The other thing I would say is that Boise State on offense, once they went to tailing green last year and moved away from Hank Bachmeyer, that's when Boise State kind of started rolling last season. And so, Definitely, I think Washington is the better team here. But I think you are definitely, uh, you know, remiss if you just dismiss them in this game. I think fourteen and a half is way too many points. It has, for the record, it has never been the big games where Boise State has had problems. Boise State has always done well in these big yes. marquee games. Yes. It's it's the Friday night game against Nevada. It's or the UTEP. Friday Or, or UTEP. Yeah, yeah, a perfect example. And yeah. so I, I think that Boise State is going to come out. I think Andy Avalos is going to have a defensive game plan. Don't get me wrong, stopping Michael Pinnock's is going to be very, very difficult. Absolutely. But I think Avalos is going to have a decent game plan that can keep them in the game. I think these are correlated – plays honestly getting the 14 and a half in a game that you think is going to go under 58 um i think there's going to be like some i i wouldn't be surprised if there's some lengthy scoring droughts you know 10 minute scoring droughts in this game with these defenses kind of uh trading some blows back and forth uh anyway i, I think washington wins but definitely boise state i think can keep it close You have to think Boise State's offensive
0: game plan is to take advantage of the new clock rules and really grind this game down to keep the ball out of Penix's hands because he's so electric offensively that even though they have a good defense, they don't want to be out there more than they have to be. And that kind of again, leads to a higher likelihood of a cover and a higher likelihood of going under. Obviously there's all the caveats about turnovers, right? This is a game that could easily swing based off of turnovers. I'm, I think this game is very similar to the Hawaii Vanderbilt game that we just saw with regards to the differential between the two teams. Vanderbilt's sure the better team but Hawaii came out and gave them everything they wanted and had a great chance at the upset. If it wasn't for Two red zone trips that went empty, uh, you know, uh, a, a turnover at, at the wrong time, kick return right for a touchdown, that sort of thing, and those things can absolutely swing your bets in the long run. It washes out in the individual game, you know, you never know. But that's going to be the difference here. If Boise can get be on the right side of those things, they've yep. got a chance to ugly this game up and actually win it. If they don't get on the right side of those things. They won't win, and then we're just hoping for a low-scoring game and cover, just like Hawaii wasn't on the right side of those things but still was able to cover such yep. a big number. Uh, this one that surprised me if this game is like 17-13 to 13 going into the fourth quarter, and they've just really mucked it up because that's exactly what they're going to want to do, try to do. Uh, their offense, like you said, playing – well, enough last year, maybe they can have enough success to do that. And uh, defensively, even though almost everybody's outmatched going up against Washington's offense, defensively, Boys yep. State should be able to limit the damage and prevent this from running away. And again, that game plan of we've got to grind this game down, I think makes this, <clears throat> like you said, this correlated plays a little bit more likely to hit. Cousin Jared, we haven't talked this year. We didn't talk at all in week zero about parlays. Uh, mm-hmm. same, same game parlays. And when I say same game parlays, I don't mean the gimmick same game parlays that the sports books do, where they just come up with random odds and it's usually negative expected value plays. I'm talking about just parlaying side and total. We talk about on occasion, if you like the dog and the under, that might be a more positive expected value play to sprinkle a little bit on that because of the correlation there, it gives you a higher probability than the independence that the math would uh, you know lead you to if you you assume that uh this i think is one of those situations where maybe dropping a tiny bit on the parlay of these two things together because they aren't completely independent you actually give yourself a little bit of an edge not quite as much of an edge as if it was like plus 14 and a half and under 40 but Mm -hmm. a little bit of an edge here putting a small bit on that. I know a lot of people like to do parlays. Uh, We wouldn't recommend it all the time, but this might be a decent opportunity to to do that and get kind of a two birds with one stone. One thing happens. Boise state really limits the scoring in
1: this game. You got a good chance to win both and kind of multiply your payout. Can't wait to hear you and Jake talk about NFL same game parlays this season with some of those totals that we're going to see. Yeah, because that's, that's where, of course, you start talking about it, really. Yeah. Right?
0: But the, the yeah. issue there is you don't get as quite – you get the lower totals, but you don't get as much of the big spread. So in college, football, yeah. you get the bigger spreads. You don't get the total. So that's why you have to really be careful with those. Don't get carried away. Don't do too many of them because – uh, you know you can lose too much too quick but anyway just a just a nugget for that game to think about some interesting night games here utsa in houston and my goodness i am so excited for this game why is that because there's triple digits all over the screen good offenses questionable yeah. yeah. defenses and that's gonna make for some fun the predict score in this game 34 to 31, and we always joke about these projected scores and how unlikely they are. I think Auburn's projected score is like 50 to 4, and you're like, well, that's literally not going to happen. But like 34-31, yeah. like that could happen and sign me up. That sounds like a fun game.
1: Yep.
0: Jared, Model likes Houston in this one. Thinks that they win this 59% of the time. UTSA is favored. Model says wrong team favored game here. We're not going to take a pick on the side. We're going to come back to that on Wednesday and make our official recommendation for our people over on Dub Club, uh, partially because the money lines aren't out yet. And anytime you get around zero, you want to be thinking about having that money line as an option. So we don't want to overcommit to that right now, taking or laying a point and a half or something like that when the money ends up. But model kind of likes Houston. I think you're a little bit more leery of Houston. The Houston at home, uh, you know. Model basically says it's pretty close to a toss-up, but that home field skews Houston's way. Houston's so disappointing last year. The big question is, how much does last year mean for this year versus how much does two years ago and before that and all the success that Dana Holgerson's had at Houston matter? Because last year was so weird and such an aberration yeah. for Houston. So before yeah. we get to our official pick on this, I just kind of want to get your thought on the side and and how you feel about, we know UTC is going to be solid, but how do you feel about this Houston team this year after whatever the heck it was that happened last year?
1: Yeah, with Houston, I'm not too concerned about the offense because they have Dana Holgerson and because they have some good offensive skill players. And mostly they they uh, lost Clayton Toon, but they brought in Donovan Sp- Smith, who was a starting quarterback for Texas Tech at points last season, went four and four as Texas Tech starting quarterback last year. I think they're going to come in and I think he's they're going to be fine offensively. Where I have concerns is defensively, especially going into the Big 12, which the Big 12 not mm-hmm. as offensive happy as it was in the past, but there are still plenty of teams that can put up points. And so I, I'm that's my concern for Houston this season, squarely defensively. I think that you could just look at their season and, you know, on on the last slide you had their triple digits in um, – their. Their defensive rating, which, you know, defense lower is better, so triple digits, not good. I, I literally think you can say their season is going to go how their defense goes. If they finish 100 or below a low number, play slightly above average defense, I think they're going to have a good season. If they go up above 100, I think that they're going to be in for a really tough first season in the Big 12. And I think the biggest
0: issue, and this is something to keep in mind, viewer, doesn't matter for now, but just keep this in the back of your mind where we constantly see teams struggling in year one and year two in the transition to a bigger conference is the depth late in games and late in seasons. It's not going to matter here playing UTSA, but even early in the season when they're playing a, a tr- whatever their early Big 12 games are, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but whether it's Texas or Baylor or Tech or Oklahoma State or whoever – the depth that those teams have typically in year one, maybe in year two is very different. And then it manifests as the season goes along. So that's of course another issue. If Houston has any depth issues on defense, that's going to make it even worse. They've had so many injuries. It seems like over the last couple of years, both in football and basketball teams that are just insanely talented, that you just, just cannot seem to stay healthy for whatever reason. We think there should be a lot of points here. You can see on the screen, 65 is the projected total. We're gonna to go over 59 and a half on the wrong side of some of those key numbers. But cousin Jared, you don't seem to
1: care. Nope. Don't care. This game this total should be in the 60s easily. Frank Harris coming back for his 15th season. Like I said, got Donovan Smith there at Houston. I find I like I said I have faith in Dana Hogerson to come up with something offensively. And again, have lots of questions about Houston's defense and UTSA, who has issues defensively at times as well. I am did, did, why? Why? Why is this? This game last year went into like triple overtime or something. There was like sixty or 60 something, seventy points in that game. I this just, it's not. It's not gonna. It's not gonna happen. This game's gonna be in the sixties again. I can guarantee you. Folks, if you had
0: cousin Jared getting excited, the most excited all show about an over, go ahead and cash your plus one thousand ticket now because I feel like that was the most excited I've ever seen you for an over. You're usually more excited about the under. We have a good under coming up, but I mean this was that was was
1: yeah, it's just that this is this seems so this seems so obvious. And that doesn't mean this is going to be a winner. Like, I'm I'm sure we'll come back here next week and we'll be making fun of me about how I lost the overplay. But, I mean, there is just nothing that we have seen from these two teams the past couple of seasons or, and nothing that we saw from their matchup last season that would make me think that this game was going to go under 60 points. Uh, it just hasn't been how they've played the past couple of years. Absolutely. And uh, we
0: always get more views on these college football shows. So some of you watching this have heard me say these sort of things with college basketball and with baseball. So you know what I'm about to say. Some of you haven't. Just as a reminder, right, there's there's no locks in gambling. There's no, you know, whale, whatever adjectives you want to use on this. Games sometimes have weird things happening. Um, when we say angry, when we say we love this, we're not guaranteeing anything. This game could land right at 58, 59, uh, 55, right? That wouldn't be impossible. What we're just saying is that on average, it seems more likely to go over than not. And so we think it's a really strong investment in the long term. We're going to get some of these picks wrong. We're going to hopefully get more right than wrong. That's what we, our track record has been. That's what we did in week zero. That's what we're hoping to do here is just say, one of these is going to miss, two of these is going to miss, three of these is going to miss, but we're going to get more right than wrong. So yes, something's going to go off here. This one seems like it should get into the sixties. Cousin Jared, UTSA's defensive rating, I think is actually a little bit better than it would otherwise be because last year they seemed to play a slightly different style of game uh, down the stretch of their conference season when they kind of were looking forward to the conference championship game. They didn't really like, you know, bust out all their toys offensively. So their offensive rating might be a little bit lower. Uh, They just played a little bit different, but you know, this is a big game for them, even though it doesn't matter for conference, this is a huge game for them to beat a big 12 team. Even if it's a newly, you know, newly minted one, they're going to bust out all the tricks. And as that scoring gets up? Their defense is going to have a real hard time hanging with an offense like Houston, who while last year was so weird, like you said, we have full faith in Dana Holgerson to figure out whatever's going on offensively. And the question marks are on the defensive side of the, Ball. Um when Houston's been good they've had a respectable defense last year I feel like nothing was respectable uh, no, but you know no. I, I have to assume this is a wash that taste out of your mouth come back fresh next year we rarely see a guy like Dana Holgerson have multiple bad seasons in a row right he tends to yeah. be able to bounce back yep. and uh, especially offensively should be able so over 59 and a half we love there but to one that we think might go a little bit differently south alabama and tulane folks do not skip past this game do not ignore this game this is your group of five game of the week i'm excited for this one yep you do see that south alabama's offense maybe a little below average they got a really good defense tulane you saw what they could do last year in the cotton bowl i guess is what it was mm-hmm. uh yep. where they beat usc these are two pretty solid teams uh you know either one of these teams could play at a new year's Day bowl again, according to sideline, South Alabama is the 64th ranked team, Tulane 45th. So hanging right in there in the middle, good season. You know, these two teams could compete for a conference title. Um, according to the model, Tulane wins by an average of eight points. It wins 70% of the time. Spread at seven is pretty spot on. It's not really got a lot of edge either way. So we're gonna pass on the side and instead we're gonna take the under. 55 55 somewhat of a key number cousin Jerry that's why we like this as a
1: B grade even though the projection is 52 tell us more it's go- not going to be very many times in a season that you're going to see two non power 5 and However, we're going to amend that starting next year 2 non-power five teams playing a game where both uh, defenses uh, are above average. That that's mm-hmm. saying something. I think both of these teams are driven by their defense. The other thing I would say about Tulane, they lost Tajay Spears, who was a very, very, very good running back for them uh, last year. Pratt is still a good quarterback, but I'm thinking it may just take their offense down a notch, not having as much talent there at running back. But really, this just goes back to two really good defenses and getting a very, very key number like 55 to to me that that's what this boils down to. Enjoy this game, you know, uh, one of the things that I, I don't want to say I worry about the future of college football, but with all the conference realignment and everything, um, I feel like we're getting too focused on all of the, the big schools, but what makes college football great is games like this, and so I would say Don't discount this game. Make sure you're tuning in. You're going to see some really good football out of these two teams. And and we can lament the changes in college football because we had nothing to do with it, right? As
0: opposed (laughs) to maybe a little bit of hypocrisy ESPN doing it because (laughs) they they were directly responsible for a lot of this, right? And so a little bit different when they're lamenting the future of college football and things like that. We can totally talk about this. We had nothing to do with this. It was not our doing. Uh, But yes, this is absolutely an exciting game and whatever the future of college football looks like and whether we've got three power conferences going forward or four I think it's still kind of to be determined uh, apparently Cal and, and Stanford are talking about going to the Big 12 now I don't because of, of course yeah. I don't want the Big 12 to want them but that's a whole other issue <laughs> um so we've still got chaos but yes these types of games and we're going to have a lot of them this year we're going to try to make sure we cover them when they happen some of the uh sunbelt uh games that are exciting because there's usually um you know enough interesting teams in that that conference it's somehow like the Sunbelt might emerge from this as like the fourth best
1: conference or something which would be ridiculous if it did if if you are a fan of Sunbelt football this is the show for you because I can almost guarantee you that we will be talking about it at least one or two Sunbelt teams each week as long as I am involved in producing the content of the show there will be Sunbelt teams and if they don't completely stink Mountain West teams
0: yeah, and the Mountain West, obviously, you know, kind of been up, <laughs> up and down at times. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My, my issue this year is going to be trying to remember who's in which conference, um, which leads us to yeah. Coastal Carolina because I honestly could not remember which conference they ended up in. They're going to wow. play at UCLA. Still good offensively, still questionable defensively. Still have the quarterback, don't have the coach. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the biggest question mark to can this offense still dominate in ways that it has before is how much of that is grayson mccall and how much is the offensive scheme uh i think that's the difference between whether this offense drives coastal carolina to another nine or ten win season or if their offense falls back to around average i don't have a ton of hope for their defense ucla pretty similar to usc pretty good offense a good defense on Average, but questionable compared to the top dogs, right? That 94 rating is not what you hope to expect for a team wanting to make the playoff. I'm not sure, you know, who's going to come out of the mess of the Pac 12. I assume it'll be a lot like last year, which is coming down to the last three weeks, four teams have a shot at it and there's a bunch of chaos. I kind of think UCLA has a shot at being there, the defense is going to be the big question mark. If that defense can improve and get better, which has been the question that I feel like we've asked about every Chip Kelly team ever Mm -hmm. uh, at this point, they would have a chance to potentially win that conference, make some noise in the playoff, or at least in a New Year's Six Bowl. If that defense is right around average, and again, average being like 60th best in college football, there's no way they're one of the top four teams, of course, or anywhere near that. So that's the big question mark for UCLA. And they'll get a good test here early against Grayson McCall, even though it's at home. Models says that UCLA should win this game by about two touchdowns that they win 83% of the time. The spread is priced pretty well right in this half 15 mark. And so we're going to go under 65.5. Cousin Jared, we talked about the questionable defenses and the
1: offenses, and yet we're going under. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah, we're, we're going under because Coastal Carolina, uh, they still have Grayson McCall, but no longer have Jamie Chadwell. I think I don't think they're going to run in exactly the same type of offense, and I don't think it's going to keep the defense defenses as off kilter as uh, coastal offenses in the past have on the flip side with UCLA having to replace Dorian Thompson Robinson and Zach Charbonnet, I think is going to be a tall task for UCLA. They're going to score some points. Chip Kelly will find a way, but I think they could be uh, challenging at the beginning of the season. I think the total in this game is being driven by the fact that you have these two perceived up-tempo offenses when the reality is is chip kelly has has not been that same up-tempo offense that we thought about uh when he was at oregon he just hasn't been that since he's been at ucla both of these teams are going to want to run the ball that's a hallmark of these two teams i think with the new clock rules this is one of those games where you might notice it maybe a tiny bit more than you do in other situations just because they're going to run the ball as much i think this this total is way too high i would have thought maybe this would be like 61 Um, So I think this game is going to go under just because I think there might see a little bit of, you know, knocking the rust off these offenses, learning some new things, new quarterbacks. Um, But also I think you're just going to see the clock turn a lot. I think there's going to be a lot of running the ball in this one. I feel
0: like there are so many things to talk about in this game. It is a late night game. Uh, So first thing to mention being a 1030 Eastern start, people might be looking for this as a bailout game. Typically the money comes in on the over as it gets closer, you don't have to run and bet this at 65 and a half. Now, what are key numbers once you get up to the sixties, right? Like it it gets a little bit less, less key thirties, you know, in the NFL, when you talk about thirties in college football, when you get to the forties, even some of the fifties, some of those numbers are very key. Once you get to the sixties, you know, I guess, but you might get yourself some more wiggle room. So maybe if you want to put half your bet now, hold back half your bet. If you just want to take the 65 and a half, I mean, 65 is questionably a key number i suppose mm-hmm. um but I, I do think this number might go up because like you said the perception uh another thing to comment on i built my player-based model starting with last year's data and i was shocked at how uh the UCLA running back Charbonnet, mm-hmm. uh was rated uh, i believe number one running back in my model and he was fantastic he, he, he was, was good. Losing is going to hurt a lot. And that doesn't mean that UCLA can't score. It just means that that's going to make them potentially take a step back. Yep. Uh, the other thing to talk about, Tim Beck, uh, head coach at Coastal Carolina, was the offensive coordinator uh, a little bit at Texas, uh, 2017 through 2019. Questionable offenses there. Yep. Uh, yep. Was the offensive coordinator at NC State questionable offenses offenses there yeah Yeah. yep. you know and and uh, you know even when nc state had some injury issues but even when they didn't there were some questions there i just didn't think they performed up to quite the standards we thought so i am not saying you can't be a good head coach uh and and you know honestly you know right even in the real world your abilities at one position doesn't necessarily mean you can't do the above position because maybe you can let people do their thing yeah so for him I, i kind of think if he can hire, you know, if he has a good offensive coordinator lets him do his thing, that bodes well for them. But if he wants to have his hand in the offense, I'm a little bit concerned about how much of a step back they're going to take. And like you said, it won't be quite as exotic as some of the yeah. stuff that Chadwell did, who we know is a, a, you know, kind of an offensive mastermind. Yeah. Uh, and and if we want to look back to our conversation beginning, you know, another step down potentially going to Liberty, what how, all
1: these coaching moves have been Interesting to say the least. Yeah. But, well, the thing with Liberty is money. There is a lot more money yeah. at, at Liberty. So yeah. you're in Conference USA, but and not just money as far as your paycheck, but money for facilities, money for everything. So, yeah. and yeah, Liberty has proved to be a launching pad to go somewhere else. So I think Jamie Chadwell realized that for whatever reason, Coastal just wasn't, he wasn't being perceived as, hey, you're doing good enough to make that leap. Let's go to Liberty. And now will the perception of me change enough for me to go somewhere else. So yeah, it's kind of sad that, you know, results aren't good enough to like get you yeah. to that next level, that it has to be about money, more exposure, more whatever that is to get you to the next level. But alas, that's that's life, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, obviously, you know, if, if Coach was able to win the Sun Belt this year,
0: that would be a heck of an accomplishment. And like you said, the Sunbelt, yeah. you know, has has kind of launched itself now. Now that the AAC has been uh, you know gutted yeah uh, and, and been replaced with the conference usa who was one of the weaker conferences um yeah. now it's just uh, lol uh, what the, what's left of conference yeah. usa but i mean the Sun yeah. Belt is now the Potentially the best group of five conference, probably the best group of five conference, and yeah. in prime shape to be even better than whatever the heck becomes of the Pac-12 Mountain West, and uh, as the fifth best conference overall, and the fact that you know success there, uh, you know, isn't actually good enough is, is interesting. The uh, yeah. Coastal Carolina team will be interesting to watch, though, again with a new coach, but with a great quarterback, uh, you know, and UCLA, of course. Like I said, I think this is an interesting game to watch because the futures of these teams could be a lot of different things. Nothing would surprise yep. me here. If UCLA went seven and five, it wouldn't shock me. If they figured something out on defense and went eleven and two, that wouldn't shock me. Yeah. Uh, and Coastal, same sort of thing. And that Sun Belt could win it or could be basically five hundred if their offense takes a big step back. Nothing would shock me here. But uh, to the point of this play under sixty-five and a half is an A grade. Model projects fifty-nine. And kind of like you said, if these two teams end up running the ball, especially UCLA is a very run-heavy offense, um, that's going to run the clock. And it's not that these teams won't score a high percentage of the time they have the ball. They just won't have the ball that many times. And that'll make it a little bit more difficult to get up to a high number like this. So late game, under for us to wrap up the Saturday night and take us into Sunday where there are three Sunday games, not going to cover the first two again. If you want all that information, the picks, the cheat sheet, the metrics, all the fun goodies dub club is where that's at. But LSU, Florida state, my goodness, this should be a fantastic game. It was a fantastic game last year with a wild finish. And you can see looking on the screen sideline likes both of these teams. Both of them have a really good offense and a really good defense. Um, Right now, LSU is the seventh best team. Florida State, the fifteenth, but the gap between them is pretty small. We're talking about once you get past those top four teams, fifth through like twentieth or whatever, is just a, you know yeah, a slight breeze from each other. Some of those teams are going to start winning and looking good and jump into the top ten, and some are going to fall back into the twenty, you know, teens and twenties. Right now, who knows? There's a bunch of interesting teams in college football, and these are two of them that could compete. For a playoff spot, obviously LSU has a very tough road in the SEC, but could be playoff caliber or could easily have everything go against them and finish eight and four. And that's, of course, just the way college football goes. Both of these teams had stretches last year where they looked fantastic. And both of them had games that made you kind of wonder how anybody ever thought they were going to get to 10 wins. I think it was more good than bad. And that's what the model seeing coming into this year is all of that good. With regards to who's going to win, who the heck knows? According to the model, uh, LSU wins this 57% of the time uh, and covers 52% of the time. But this is firmly in toss-up territory. This game is being played in Orlando. So I'm giving Florida State half home field advantage that I would normally give because of the reduced travel. Fan-wise, it should be relatively even. I'm assuming the LSU-Faith Florida to travel very well, maybe 60-40 in Florida State's favor. The travel helps Florida State a little bit, but it's still mostly a neutral site game. It should be a great one. Model predicts 28-27. That's very possible what it could land at. And if it is, that takes us to another under 58. Model's projecting
1: 55. because Jared, what do you got? Both I. So this is a great game. My, my father-in-law actually procured... Uh sweet tickets. Now the tickets are sweet, but they're also in a suite for the Astros and Yankees game on Sunday night. And I said, that is wonderful. That is very kind of you. Uh, Miss Cousin Jared and my daughter will be more than happy to go to the game with you. Uh, I will not be going to the game with you. I will be at home watching <laughs> Florida State and LSU. This is definitely the, the highlight of week one of college football, the kind of game that really, you know, you're thinking about all offseason. Like, man, this is like officially the kickoff of the season. Let's think back to when these two teams played last year. I, I think we could both agree that both of these teams, maybe more than any other teams in college football, kind of grew as the season went on and really yeah. kind of came into their own over the course of the season. But that was a slugfest uh, at, at the beginning of the game last year when these two teams played. I think that Jordan Travis for Florida State, great quarterback. Jayden Daniels for LSU, great quarterback. Both of them make a lot of plays with their feet, and I think both of these defenses are well-positioned to be able to stop that, whether it's Harold Perkins on LSU tracking down Jordan Travis or Jared Verse, who somehow didn't go pro and stayed at Florida State for the the season, being able to track down Jaden Daniels. I think you've got enough defensive star power to kind of, uh, you know, I don't want to say like neuter these quarterbacks a little bit, but keep them contained. And I think that this is going to keep this game close, and I think it's going to keep it lower scoring. The offenses definitely have the ability to explode, but these both these defenses are really good, and they have playmakers that can slow down these quarterbacks, I think. So I think you're going to see something very similar that we saw last year. If this game ended something like 27-24 or 31-20, I, I think that's kind of what you're going to get in this game.
0: Yeah, last year was 24-23. The whole should they have gone for two? Yep. Then they missed the extra point. Uh last year I remember we were recording the week two show while I was watching. I had that on my iPad yeah. and I was like, what is happening right now? Yeah. Um, yeah. so we'll have to figure out how we're gonna how we're gonna handle that next week uh, with this one on. But you're right, it's it's the, the heavyweight matchup of the week. It should be a fantastic game, it should be a tight game. Uh cousin Jared, is there any thought to there being a little bit of more value on this under? Uh, maybe a first half under treating this almost like a playoff game, a Super Bowl, where you kind of say, maybe the teams feel each other out a little bit early on, or do you think the full game under maybe has a little more value? Like how do you, do you see it because we're viewing it as the headway match do, do you mm-hmm. think they are, do you think they are going to have that same mentality? Or do you think it's going to be let it rip from the start? You know, what, what's your take on
1: that? Yeah, no, I, I definitely think that because if, if, if I recall correctly, I mean, that game last year, 24-23, there were much more points in the second half. of that. There were game 10 points than, in the first half. Yeah, yeah, it was a really – okay, that's what I thought. It was low scoring first half. So yeah. I don't know if you're going to see 10 points again in the first half, uh, but definitely wouldn't be surprised if you saw like 20 or 24 or something like that. And so, yeah, I, I think a first half under play, if you wanted to split your bet, do half first half under, a half full game under, I think that's fine. Uh, I think there's a lot of different ways you can play the under here.
0: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one, as I think we all are, uh, which takes us to Monday, uh, the dessert of all of this. Cousin Jared, uh, you know, there's no NFL this weekend. This feels like an NFL Sunday night, Monday night, because mm-hmm. the Sunday night game is always amazing, and the Monday night game is always like, meh well yeah. it's football we'll watch yeah. it and that's kind of how it feels about this is even down to uh the lsu Florida state game, like so being a slugfest potentially uh you know more of an nfl type game anyway mm-hmm. and then we get to clemson duke where it's like well it's you know i we gonna watch it but not quite as exciting as the sunday night game so a lot of yeah. nfl ties back yeah. to this one yeah. um clemson you know duke not a bad team i mean let's look at the rating right there above average offense above average defense uh so it's it, duke's a solid team we rode them a lot last year in the back half of the season when we finally came around to him but clemson i mean you know good chance to be the class of the acc because Jared, when i was going through uh the rosters this season clemson brought back almost everybody yeah they yeah. are going to be scary good in my opinion i think they're well coached the quarterback controversy, distraction, whatever that is. I think it's good that's behind them now, and they can just move forward and play football. I really like this Clemson team. Model says they can handle Duke even on the road. This is going to be one of their tougher challenges of the season, which is really sad to say how easy their schedule sets up uh, for them. Obviously, not every single game, but this is going to be like their third or fourth hardest game probably. Uh, We're going to see a lot of Clemson minus 20s and 30s season. I I think.
1: Uh,
0: I think their offense is going to be improved. That defense is obviously fantastic. Uh, Model says a 52 percent chance of covering. So a a pretty weak edge there. We're going to play Clemson because it's minus 105. That's kind of what gets us over the hurdle there and the and the on the right side of 14. It's those kind of things. At 14, a little bit less value. If you're having to play at minus 115. Question by either, but this is just enough to get us out of that B grade on Clemson at minus 13 and a half. Get the win at 14, and the odds there make our break-even point a little bit better. And we also like the under 55 and a half. That Clemson defense is fantastic. Duke knows the only chance they have is to slow this game down, and I think they're going to slow it down. I just think they're not going to be able to score on Clemson. If Duke doesn't yep. score, it's going to make it
1: hard for the over to hit and hard for Duke to cover. Because, Jared, what do you got? Mike Elko, one of the most underrated coaches in FBS, he will have a game plan that will keep this Clemson offense off kilter for, I don't know, a quarter, a quarter and a half, <laughs> just, a, just long enough to where Clemson wins this game, something like, I don't know, 35 to 14 or something like that, and we can all be happy. Um, Clemson, I think, is going to be a good team. We only have to wait until September 23rd uh, to get Ooh. Florida State visit. Being Clemson. That's early. Um, I'm excited about that. Yeah, that that is was that, early. that is early, and I I think even early enough where I don't really think either team could could screw it up, uh because even if Florida State loses to LSU, like there's nothing wrong with losing the game to LSU. Nobody's going to like look no. at Florida State and be like, oh, that derailed their season. Uh, so yeah, I, that's going to be a really exciting one. Yeah. Anyway, Duke, great story. uh Go back and look at who Duke beat last year. Not an impressive list of teams. Clemson will take care of business. Like you mentioned, having that quarterback controversy behind them, I think it's going to be very beneficial. Everybody just can focus on, you know, playing football and not t- thinking about like, do we need to make a quarterback change? When are we going to pull the quarterback? How much is the backup quarterback going to play? All that good stuff. Uh, yeah. yeah. Clemson will assert its dominance in this game. Yeah, you are absolutely correct. Mike Elko uh, did a fantastic
0: job with them last season. Uh, to your point though, they, they, Had a nice bowl win over UCF. They finished the season with a fantastic home win against Wake Forest. Uh, Other than that, though, uh, they beat a Miami team
1: that was cratering at the time.
0: Cratering at the time yeah. for sure. I mean, that Miami, you know, was like up and down, up and down, up and down, but the, they were the downs were down. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, I mean, Boston College, Virginia Tech, Virginia, NCA and T, Northwestern, and Temple. Not exactly Murderers yeah. Row. Losses yeah. Yeah, and to Kansas, not-
1: Georgia Tech, North Carolina, and Pittsburgh. And that's not to take anything away from Duke. Like, when you're Duke, that's no. when you have to have a good season, is when you can capitalize on other teams having yeah. bad seasons. That's not taking anything away from Duke, but just the reality is, is they, they beat a lot of They're teams. They're not on level. Yeah, they, they beat a lot of teams who are great.
0: Yeah. And of course, uh, you know, noticeably absent from that schedule last year, Florida State and Clemson, both the two best teams in the ACC. Uh, yep. They also did not have to play Notre Dame, who plays uh, a handful of teams in the ACC every season. So um, great story last year, Duke, just not on the same level as this Clemson team. I'm really high on Clemson this year uh i don't really know what else there's to say other than that uh cousin jared you made an interesting point there and i I, i'm gonna i'm gonna put you on the spot here for the people who like to do a live bet is this one Hmm. where you would either hold back your entire bet put half your bet something or maybe just double down on it in game if you do see you keeping it close early on is, is it a situation where you want to get all your under money in early and then maybe add some clemson later because if it is seven seven late in the second quarter you might be able to get a clemson minus seven type life yeah, bet
1: yeah yeah i i think that's perfectly fine i honestly like i'm confident enough in clemson i would just go like full bore on both of these mm-hmm. we gave them both b grade go b grade right now and then mm-hmm. if that Opportunity presents itself. Maybe go like half a unit on on Klinsmann land seven or whatever number you might get. Honestly, I'd say like anything less than ten, I'd be like, hey, throw another half unit mm. on it.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's what when you're talking about that's what I was thinking about. If if Duke's game plan and again, well coached team, mm-hmm. but just smart athletes, obviously, uh, could make it challenging early uh cousin jared is there an interesting opportunity you think to bet clemson going forward and backing them if they don't look great against duke where we say hey it's the first game of the season duke's Mm -hmm. well coached it was a perfect game plan and we're not going to be you know if clemson wins this by exactly 14 barely covers right Mm -hmm. and wins 28 to 14 or something is that to me? That's a situation where you say, "Hey, Duke's got a good game plan and they're well coached." I'm not deterred by that, but maybe other people will be, and maybe it's an opportunity for us to back Clemson going forward. What are your thoughts
1: on that? I I agree. I would want to see what we get from Kate Clubnick on on this game on Monday, um, because clearly I feel like we know. Clemson's defense is going to be great. Their season is yeah. going to be determined on how well the quarterback position plays. As it's, I mean, as it's been the last decade, it seems like. Yeah. Cool. And if if he plays well and is just not asked to do much, I'm I'm fine with that. Yeah, let's back Clemson. If they're, you know, putting a lot on him and he's missing throws or looks uncomfortable mm-hmm. in the pocket or something. That's when you kind of have to step back and be like, ah, I'm I'm a little bit worried here because as Duke has as solid as Duke has been, they should still be making some plays against Duke. Mm-hmm. And so if mm-hmm. he just looks fine. I'm good, let's keep back in Clemson. If he looks uncomfortable in the pocket, if he's missing guys, then maybe it's the same Clemson we've been seeing, which is 10 wins at least in the ACC, but maybe not one of those that's going to be vying for a playoff spot.
0: Well, or mm-hmm. we'll record our next show before this game happens, so we can't mm-hmm. even get that. So that's all we're going to want to talk about it yeah. now. Uh, maybe maybe we could talk about it in Discord. Uh, yeah. for those of us who are who are in Dub Club or tweet about it or whatever, we'll come back the next week and we'll get your uh, Monday, Tuesday morning, whatever, quarterback uh, uh, assessment of this Clemson team. Like I said, I'm really high on them, uh, but get a good early season test for them because, like we said, they should do well against Duke, but also Duke isn't one to be overlooked because they are well coached they're a decent enough team. So I want to make it say I'm not, I'm not trying to speak out of both sides of my mouth. I'm I'm, Clemson should win. They are the better team. Uh, I don't think they're going to win by 35 because Mm -hmm. this is not Duke from, I don't know, pick a year where Duke was terrible. There's a lot of them out there, right? It's not, 1999 Duke. I hope that was the year they were bad. I don't know. Um, it's not It's not that Duke, right? But the yeah. skill differential is definitely there. So Clemson should be able to take care of business. So we like Clemson. We like the ender. Both of them at B grades to wrap you up on Monday night. And that is week one. Cousin
1: Jared, any parting words as our hour is up? The type of thing that you get on Discord, everybody, it was 10 o'clock on Saturday night. Everybody else in my house was asleep. I was the only person awake and I was getting to partake and Florida International, Law Tech, and Hawaii Vanderbilt, it was great. It's what college football was about. I do have to say something about YouTube TV though. So, you know, YouTube TV now has the multi-view thing where you can mm-hmm. watch two games on one screen at one time. But the problem is that it doesn't let you s- select get to watch at the same time it just automatically populates two for you so i selected oh hey i want to watch florida international and louisiana tech and the second game that it put up there automatically for me was a preseason uh denver broncos game which Hmm. in youtube's defense it was probably thinking what kind of crazy person wants to do a split screen with fiu la tech and hawaii vanderbilt surely this normal person would want to watch this preseason nfl game but no so YouTube, what I'm asking for is I just need like a sicko mode on YouTube TV. Mm. I can just pick watch the two grossest college football games that could mm. possibly be paired together. That's all I'm asking for. So I appreciate YouTube, you trying to save me from myself, but you know I, I'm an adult. I make my own choices. I, I want to watch terrible college football. I, I'm a little surprised.
0: I feel like the preseason game that would have made more sense would have been at least a regional one. Like if you had FIU and like Miami Dolphins, been mm-hmm. like, okay, they play Louisiana Tech was LS. If it was a uh, uh New- the Saints, right? It'd be like, yeah. Oh, yeah. like this person maybe like why is this person watching FIU La Tech? It's probably because they're from Miami or Louisiana, yeah. right? And so yeah. I get yeah. that
1: Denver, like who was Denver playing? I do I- even remember? I don't even know I saw, I saw it wasn't vander built in hawaii and i turned it off the split screen because i there didn't care go. there you
0: go maybe it was in new orleans or miami we can only hope uh someone yeah. in the comments let us know yeah. who it was uh all right well that is our show thank you so much for watching uh don't forget to subscribe so you can ensure all the sports spending content providing this channel shoved right into your feed remember we be back with baseball content all week and another great winning week last week and we hope to continue that going forward and as always best of luck and remember you can eat your betting money but please don't bet your eating money